You know what? That's so funny because you saying that just made me realize that perfectly parallels Louisville weather. Welcome to Spencer's, a podcast where our producer Harry says that it is one of the top 50 things that come out of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, And today we are joined by one of the top 10 people to come out of Kentucky, Mike Rutherford. Um, I'm going to have Mike introduce himself uh, when he comes in because he's just done a million things. He's such a brilliant college basketball mind. He's also just so funny. Um, And he is the reason that I ever got a chance in writing, really. He let me write for his site, Card Chronicle. Yeah. And so I'm sure those are terrible. Um, But he let me anyway, and I forever appreciate that. Um, Some housekeeping. Subscribe to our YouTube if you want me and Jordan to make more money. Um, What else, Harry? Leave us a voicemail. Leave us a voicemail about your favorite thing about Kentucky um, at the end of the show. I should say that, but I'm saying it right now. Um, and get you some ALA1 and sit back because this is a very informative conversation with Mike. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Go to Indeed.com slash Spinsters to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com spin. So, uh, do you want to, can you introduce yourself and all the, the jobs you do? God, yeah, I can do that. Okay. Whenever you want to. All right. Uh, I'm Mike Rutherford. I've been running the Louisville-based website cardchronicle.com since 2007, which is, you know, five billion years in internet years. So I'm I'm ancient. I also host the Mike Rutherford Show. Not a, the most creative title, but it's what we do around here. Uh, on 1450 The Big X, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, every single day uh, on 1450 AM and 96.1 FM in Louisville, Kentucky. I also have written about college basketball nationally for the last 12 years, uh, writing currently for SBNation.com, covering the NCAA tournament, and anything else that anybody will pay me to do, I I will be willing to do at this point, pretty much. (laughs) Same, honestly. Yeah. If you have any kind of pitches, my email is HaleyOshaughnessy at gmail.com. Exactly. That's the the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Um. And you're a dad. I want to say a new dad, but you've been a dad for for a while because Virginia. But she's just so precious, and it feels like it happened so fast. She's pre-pandemic, right? She was barely. She was September of 2019, and then we just had John in October of last year. So he's uh, he's five months screaming like a pterodactyl. Um, But we still love him. We're still keeping keeping him around. But yeah, Virginia. It was a wild sequence of events. We bring her into the world. Um, I previously had worked for 
the local iHeart affiliate here in Louisville, Kentucky, they have the national layoff. So in January of 2020, um, my show host and my co-host and I get laid off as part of the national cuts. And then I've still got a thousand other jobs, thank goodness, because again, you have to do whatever you got to do. And I'm getting ready to cover the NCAA tournaments, my biggest time of the year. Pandemic hits, boom, nothing going on. Like that job's kaput. And so I become like full-time stay-at-home dad with my six-month-old daughter, who I previously had felt like I wasn't spending enough time with and now mm-hmm. quite literally like every second of every day. So, you know, John's got his work cut out for him because Virginia and I, we, we're, we're bonded for that. So John's going to have to, he's going to have to step it up and stop screaming like a pterodactyl at some point. Not, I'm not kidding, Harry. One of the cutest children I've ever seen. <laughs> Virginia is just, and I'm sure John will be too, but like just pr- absolutely precious. Um, like, I don't know if you guys are planning on um, trying to get her on Disney shows, but she, she could, that could be her pipeline. We went out to brunch like two weeks ago because people follow me on Instagram now because of my daughter. Like it's not Louisville sports stuff. And a woman comes up and she like just walks right past me and goes to Virginia. Who's like doing circles in the middle of the restaurant and is like, there's my Instagram star. Like that's who I'm always telling you videos about to her friend. <laughs> Doesn't say one word to me. Like, like walks right past me and just talks to her. Friends. Like, there's the girl that I follow on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, that's, it's her world now. She has surpassed Louisville sports when it comes to, Things that people want to talk to me about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's true. She's so cute. Um, I God, it'd be so fun to get into all the Louisville media drama because there's so <laughs> much and it's such a funny thing. And you know what? It is a safety net that it would happen on the show because uh, no one in Louisville media listens to the show because it's NBA <laughs> and NBA like doesn't exist in Kentucky. It's basically. true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're like watching Donovan or... Terry or Trez. Let's just talk about people we hate then. Why not? Let's just get it out. Let's, let's air yeah. it all out. Yeah. we really. Maybe at the end. Man, we got to do a happy end. hour version of this. Yes, we do. That'd be fantastic. Um, I'm so glad that you can come on because Jordan and I basically just because we have we have so much basketball always to, to watch. Like I have my college basketball Viewing has really fallen off and as before, besides the tournament, and really just includes anyone who Louisville plays. So, my analysis or my thoughts on those teams is just purely like the two games they played against Louisville. <laughs> um, so, the final four is coming up. Louisville women are in it. I'm so excited about that. We, I was saying this last spot, I'll say it again. Like, we were talking about it. It just feels good to have something wholesome again. Like, and that we can love and not be fearful of the NCAA taking away yet. <laughs> I know you saw the clip too, but like after Louisville won its Elite Eight game over Michigan on Monday night, like two of the players, Haley Van Lith, who I think everybody now knows about if you didn't before, I mean, she's a superstar. She might wind up being the most famous Louisville athlete while she's actually playing for the Cardinals that the school's ever seen. I mean, she's got like 3 million Instagram followers. She was friends with Kobe before she graduated high school. But she and Emily Drives Hengsler, like Kyrie. Drives like, like Kyrie, celebrates like yeah. Kyrie, yeah. cusses live on national TV. I mean, she's, yeah. she's, she checks every box. She should be the mayor yeah. of Louisville forever. Yeah. <laughs> but her and Emily Angsler, who transferred in from Syracuse this year, were kind of asked about Jeff Walls and you know, what makes him so successful and what's he like to play for. And Angsler played for a coach at Syracuse who, you know, got let go last year because of allegations of player abuse and a number of other things. 
And she immediately, and she's this big, physical, tough, like just badass presence on the court. And she immediately starts tearing up and just talks about, you know, he does so much for you as a person. He's always there for you when it comes to your mental health. He's always, you know, protecting you when even when you're making mistakes on the court, like yelling at refs, like he's always got your back. And Haley Van Lith echoes the same sentiment and she gets choked up and she starts crying. And both times, Walls comes over and gives them both hugs and says he loves them. And it was just like, thank God we've got this because on the men's side all year long, it's been like dads of players sliding into my DMs after games and being like, hey, these two guys got into a fight over chicken. <laughs> like, I, like after the game, there was like a Chick-fil-A bar and one of them wanted to go first. And I'm like, we won by 13. We actually won a game. What, what is what's going on here? And then you've got the women's side where it's everybody's loves each other and they're actually good. And now they're chasing a national championship. And you're right. For Louisville fans that have felt kind of tortured for the last Oh, God, six, seven years. It's so nice to have this to get excited about and so nice to have this. And, and like you said, know that it's not going to be tainted by anything. Like, like the NCAA is not coming after Jeff Walls. They're not coming after Haley Van Lith. They're not going to have anything to do with this. And that's wonderful. It's, it's a yeah. nice little refreshing feeling for all of us. Yeah, because, I mean, it's just not fun being cynical. And that extends to everything like the NFL – you know, and Deshaun, like, it just extends to everything of, like, seeing people make decisions that disappoint me. And so I'm telling you out there, if you don't have a college team, um, I suggest getting into women's college basketball. Because for me, that's the healthiest relationship I see between coaches and players. Um, not always, obviously. Fuck Gino. But, like, you know, it's just <laughs> – I think that that's the the – the highest percentage chance that you will end up um, not being burned if you put your full heart into the team. I think that's a pretty fair statement. I mean, we haven't had, I mean, we haven't had hooker scandals on the women's side of Louisville, which is no, we a, haven't. a step in the right direction. We <laughs> not haven't <once. laughs> had no sort of paying players allegations, none of, none of that stuff, no uh, extortion. We've had two extortion cases, high profile on the men's side in less than two decades where somehow we come out looking worse than the person actually, you know, being found guilty of extortion. And we haven't had to deal with any of that on the women's side. So I know our experience may not be everybody's experience and thank God for that, for everybody else, but it has been like, it's always a breath of fresh air. And at Louisville, they're supported so thoroughly too. Like if you go to a women's basketball game and I make this guarantee on the radio show all the time, if you go to a women's basketball game, even if you haven't considered yourself a fan before then, you're going to leave a fan because totally they fill the lower bowl at the KFC Yum Center, which is something the men haven't been doing at all the last few years. It's packed. The fans are always engaged. It's always loud. Jeff Walls will come out and talk to the fans half the time after games. And they just play so hard and they play so well that you, you know, you, you can't leave the arena not feeling really, really good about what you just experienced. And that in recent years hasn't always been the case on the men's side. Now, hopefully, Kenny Payne will change all that, but, you know, that's neither here nor there at the moment. I have hope. But, yeah, in the women's game's morale is through the ceiling. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree. Flying to Louisville, Kentucky. Get on the bandwagon. I am nervous about this weekend. You want to start with the women's or the, the men's Final Four? We start with the women's since we have already yeah. kind of leading into it. If there's one team – but South Carolina is the, the one team I'd want to face the least. Obviously, our odds are the worst going in, um, even worse than UConn to win the national title. Um, South Carolina is just like every time that I've dropped in on a game, which has mostly been shout-out Jordan, like telling me to not miss this game. Um, 
they just are solid. Like they're so solid. They're coached well. Um, they've got, I think, the best player in college basketball. So I'm really nervous about the matchup. I think for Louisville to win, it has to be just the best defense they've played for the entire game. And they have great defense. Um, like because of Angsler and like you were saying, she's just so solid. Um, and everyone's pesky, even if they don't have size. So hopefully that's enough. But like the the scoring drought that just has happened in almost every game in the tournament also cannot happen. And that's the only way that Louisville has a chance, I think. I think it's kind of a good and a bad thing when you look at the way Louisville's played in this NCAA tournament because I still think they haven't played their best game, which on one hand you say, okay, well, it's coming at some point. What better stage than Friday night against the the best overall team in, in college basketball this season? On the other hand, it's like, well, if it hasn't happened yet, like, is it going to happen, period? They've done a good job at keeping teams like Michigan and Tennessee at bay when they've been able to to chop double-digit leads down to, to four or two in Michigan's case. But they haven't been able to deliver the knockout blow. And this is a Louisville team that its two biggest losses this season both came in sort of horrific fourth quarter collapses. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were up on NC State, I think, by 18 going into the fourth quarter and then lost by like nine. It was just a absolute unraveling. And then in the ACC tournament, they did the exact same thing. They, they thoroughly dominated Miami and then they let Miami end the game on a, I think, 19-0 run and hit a buzzer-beating shot to, to knock them out of the ACC tournament. The, the thing that I like about this week for Louisville Nobody in sports, and this is a bold statement because I think everybody in sports does this to some extent, nobody plays up the us against the world, everybody hates us, look at the the media spitting on pictures of you type thing like Jeff Walls does. Like yeah, if really you make does. if you make any sort of like semi, like, you know, they're a great team. Are they the greatest team in history? Maybe, I don't know. Like Walls will play that up into like nobody thinks you're the greatest team of all time. And so you had Haley Van Lith after the first weekend saying, we're the bad news bears. We're busting everybody's bracket, like all this stuff. And you're, you know, you're, a a seed. <laughs> you're like, you, you beat a 16 and a nine. Like, like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I don't think that that's actually accurate, but this is the week where they can really do it because they are the fourth betting choice out of four teams remaining in the final four. And even if you want to extend it to the men's side, you've got eight teams in the final four still standing. Seven of them have won a national title. The only one that has not on either side is the Louisville women's basketball team. They're the only team still playing for a championship that's never gotten there before. So if you're Jeff Walls, you can say, I mean, you use that all week long. Like, like nobody thinks you can do this. You've, you're still treated as the, the newbie. It's UConn. They've been to 14 Final Fours. It's Stanford. They won it last year. It's South Carolina. They've got Don Staley, and they're winning championships now, too. Nobody thinks you can do it. You're an eight-point underdog, for God's sake, in a game where... The, every other matchup has uneven seeds on the men's and the women's size. You got a two versus an eight, and then a, and then two one versus twos. This is a one seed versus a one seed. This should be a coin toss, and yet the point spread opened at seven. It's gone up to eight now. It's eight and a half some places. People don't only believe that you're going to lose this game. They believe you're going to lose it handily. And I kind of, if, for a program that's always been viewed as an underdog, even when they've been successful, I like that they have this mentality going into this week in Minneapolis. Same. I think they need it. Um, and then, yeah, there's like the cursed, you know, like little brother syndrome that we have. We have the big clump complex um, just because of the the team 40 miles down the road. But um, yeah, anyway, I'm excited. Who I want to know who I think most people who listen to this are 
more into professional sports than uh, college. But who, so who do you think from both sides, men's and women's, is going to go to the next level? And I do think it's a harder question to answer with women um, because there just are not as many spots because there are so many, so much fewer teams. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Boston for South Carolina. Like she's probably the best player in college basketball. Everybody thought it was going to be Paige Beckers, and maybe it would have been had she not gotten hurt. I mean, Paige is still a star. Like she's still the most marketable player on either the men's or the women's side. When you look at potential NIL value, she's number one, and actually number two is is Haley Van Lith uh, for Louisville. Even though I think she's probably not quite on Boston or or Beckers level right now, I think she's getting there. She was terrific last weekend but she still has a little bit of ways to go. And you're right, it's different on the women's side because you don't have, you know, there's not a whole lot of, is she going to leave early? Like, is she not? I mean, if anybody ever was going to leave after their freshman season, it would have been Paige Becker's last year. She won every single National Player of the Year award, set all these records as a freshman, and yet you assume she's going to be playing college basketball at UConn for four full seasons. Um, but I think, I mean, Haley Jones for Stanford also is going to be a future star, probably, in the, the WNBA. Cameron Brink is for, for Stanford. It's tremendous. And then you're going to see Haley Van Lith on, on full display on Friday night. And she's another player who, I mean, Louisville's had a great history of women's basketball stars. It just seems like the baton keeps getting passed from, you know, one All-American to the next. Angel all the way back. to Asia. Yeah, they're, they're Shoni Schimmel. I mean, so, the Schimmels, yeah. Dana Evans last year, kind of, and I think when Dana graduated, because she was ACC Player of the Year for two years in a row, everybody just sort of assumed Haley would step into that star role and it would be a seamless transition. And she struggled a little bit early on. She was one of nineteen from three to start the season. She has openly talked about losing her confidence, which if you've ever watched her play, like the, the fact that she could ever lose confidence in anything is kind of mind blowing. She, you know, she, she backs up all of her talk with her play, but she struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season. And it was actually Emily Angsler and Keanu Smith who were their best players. And then now as the year's gone on, I think she's kind of reemerged and, and refound that confidence. And she's, absolutely going to be a superstar at the next level in a couple of years when she gets there. But I mean, the women's final four, I would say is probably still loaded with more next level talent than the men's side is just because you've got maybe the four best teams in the sport still standing and they are always going to be loaded with the best players. You get UConn, Stanford, Louisville, and South Carolina hanging around. You're going to see some future pros. My players to watch, um, not to be a ESPN pregame show um are stanford backcourt yeah Aaliyah boston Haley, and angsler i was talking to harry actually after we recorded our show yesterday and he told me like without having much background on on um emily that he thought she was like the top well i mean harry you can say it yourself you have a mic <laughs> <laughs> um no yeah i was saying that i uh, just dropping into that was my first Louisville women's basketball game I watched and Angsler I thought for sure she was like going to the league next year was their consensus best player um she was just so like commanding on both sides like she she and even just the way she was talking to her teammates like it really seemed like she was the person who when she spoke they listened um, you know, small sample size, obviously, but she, I mean, she really impressed me. No, I think that reflects exactly what 
the sentiment is. And that's another thing, credit to Jeff Walls, because she just came in last year. Um, yeah. So the cohesion is another. Oh, also, I just saw this stat yesterday that he, all of his four-year players have made it to the Final Four. Uh, and, and she's she's a cool story, too, because she lost like 30 pounds or something to get into playing shape before the start of this year. And she's freely admitted, you know, when I was at Syracuse and even when I first got to Louisville, I was kind of uncoachable. I mean, she I think she's used that exact word. Like, I didn't want to listen to what you had to say. I had a terrible attitude. I would fight with teammates. And I was kind of lazy. And, and she sort of realized when she got to Louisville and she saw the, all the competition in the front court, like, if I don't get my shit together, like, I'm, I'm not going to play here. And I'm not going to be able to turn this into a living. And Harry's right. I mean, if you turn on a Louisville game not knowing anything about any of the players on the floor and you see – one of the tallest women that's out there, like snag a rebound with one hand, bring the ball up the floor herself, put it seamlessly behind her back, and then either score at the rim or make a nice pass to an open shooter on the wing. Like you'd be like, okay, like that she's her, like, like, like she's the player, she's it mm-hmm. on, on this mm-hmm. squad, and she's probably the best combination of size and skill that I think maybe has existed in college basketball this season because she's not a pure center. She's she can be a stretch four at the WNBA level. She's She can do just a little bit of everything. She didn't shoot it very well in the Elite Eight, Elite Eight win over Michigan. But then against Tennessee, she started off four or five from three. So she can get there. And even in the – I think what makes her so special is even when she's having a bad offensive game, she can be your best player. Sort of in the same way I'll, I'll make a men's game comparison that Anthony Davis did at Kentucky in 2012 where you know he'd score maybe six points. But you look at a stat line and he'd have four blocks, 17 rebounds, all these assists, and you know, teams were afraid to go into the paint against him. Emily kind of had that type of game against Michigan. She was one of nine from the field, but she had 16 rebounds and may have still been their most important player. Like she's she's a fantastic talent. Anthony Davis was this unique threshold for me that I remember feeling uh, it had to have been the windmill dunk. Where even at UK, because I have this thing where I'm like, when they leave UK, look, I'm going to probably love them, depending on who they are. <laughs> you know, like I love Jamal Murray, um, but he, in the moment, I just remember being like, damn it, I like him. You know what I mean? He's, Same. He definitely crossed over for me, yeah. He's, he also, I don't know if you had this moment where in 2012, when Louisville and Kentucky played in the Final Four, you know, I'm there, and by the time the game tips off, like everybody, you convince yourself, like, okay, we can do this. I, we can I've been do dreading this. this. Yeah. We, we got this. <laughs> and, like, the, I think on back to back, the third and fourth possessions of the game, like, Davis backs down Gorgie Zhang, kind of does like a little shimmy, hits a right hand hook, and you're like, okay, like, that's, you, you can't stop that. Very next yeah. possession, gets the ball in almost the same spot, does the little shimmy, hits a left handed hook, and you're kind of like, well, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. this, this is going to be we, – we might be up against it here. Like, this guy's kind of next level. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. You're like, well, it was a good season. Yeah. Um, okay, I completely agree with those players um, from the women's side. What about the men's? The men's is kind of where I'm lacking because I have watched, uh, you know, but really only have, like, a lot of tournament uh, experience watching them and definitely not the regular season. So are we talking as far as just, like, NBA – players or just fun guys to oh, watch. I forgot. Yeah, I I want to kind of break it up into players you think are going to go in the NBA and then players that probably won't, but you should watch them anyway because they're just so fun. Or maybe they just will go super late if they do go. It's not a Final Four that's like loaded with a ton of next-level talent outside of Duke. Uh, I mean, Duke is, is going to dominate this conversation because, one, they've got 
clearly the best next level talent in this Final Four in Paulo Banquero. Uh, he's going to be a top three pick. He might be number two. I know there's some people that have talked about him potentially going number one. It's, I mean, if you believe the people who do this for a living, it's going to be Banquero, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, and then Jabari Smith from Auburn in some order in, in one, two, three. And Banquero is, I mean, he's the real deal. Like, like he's a little bit of everything. He'll make at least one play every time out where even if he's playing poorly, you'll see why he's going to thrive once he gets to the NBA. Just he's got that skill set. He's got that size. Um, he shoots it well enough for somebody who's as big as he is. Uh, he, he's very, very good. The other guy who I think has kind of been climbing draft boards late in the season, and I think this is the player who could help himself the most as far as draft stock is concerned this weekend, is A.J. Griffin from Duke because he also has a you know good combination of, of size and outside shooting. He shot like the three mm-hmm. at 42% this year. He hasn't been shooting it as well recently. His deficiencies are more obvious than Ben Caro's. Like, he's not a great rim attacker. He doesn't handle it particularly well. But if he has a big weekend, if he plays really well on Saturday and Duke beats Carolina, and if he plays well in the national title game on Monday, I think he can solidify himself as a top 10 pick. He might get there anyway, but he's like, this is a kind of a big weekend for him just because he hasn't been great in March so far. Um, Mark Williams, also for Duke, is their big center, and he's. He's not a freshman, unlike the other two guys. He's been in the program for a few years, and it took him a while to develop. He kind of looks like, I mean, sort of like a a Game of Thrones character. Like, he just has that physically Kofi Coburn-type body where you're like, what's a normal college center going to do against this guy? Um, You obviously can't play the way that he's played against most college centers when you get to the NBA, but he's a a big dude with a ridiculous body. I I think he's going to be another guy that's probably a first-round draft pick. But, like, you know, Carolina, you expect to have first-round guys on Carolina every single year. There's not that player this year. Like, Brady Manick, who's an Oklahoma transfer who looks like a lumberjack and kind of plays like a lumberjack, is maybe going to be their highest draft pick. Maybe their only shot to have anybody who gets drafted. Hmm. But if we're talking about guys that we just really like um, who maybe don't project to be stars at the NBA level, Caleb Love is my favorite type of college basketball player. Because he's the guy who, if you watch him play during one six-minute span, you're like, how is this player on a Division One roster? He's turned the ball over seven times. He just almost broke the backboard on a three. He airballed two layups. Get this man out of the game. And then you'll watch him for a different seven-minute span. You're like, this is the greatest player who's ever lived in the history of the <laughs> ACC. Like, he trade everybody you have on your roster to draft this guy number one overall. He's got the weirdest stats of all time. For instance, North Carolina has never lost a game where he's had more than five turnovers. And it's happened more than a point <laughs> guard. Uh, North Carolina should should have it happen. I think they're like 11-0 when he turns it over five or more times. Also, at one point this season, it's not the case anymore because he's been shooting the ball well uh, during the NCAA tournament. But at one point this season, he was the only player in the history of college basketball who had taken at least 103 point attempts and at least 102 point attempts and had a better shooting percentage from three than two, which was remarkable. Uh, this guy, you can't not love Caleb Love. He's the most bizarro college basketball player there is, which is why we love college basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to explain that to someone the other day. Um, you, I totally appreciate the people who, the players who are like, what sets me up best to go to the next level? For a lot of of people that's just not a reality um and 
seeing them still play at perhaps the highest level they'll play and you know then getting to be hometown heroes who like are their faces are on car dealerships you know that's still super fun for me even though they're not going to be maybe like a player we see forever in the NBA or WNBA so yeah that's that's what I love about college basketball the most and if you love that, I mean, you're going to love this Villanova team because they are loaded with guys that are going to be remembered as great Villanova players, but probably not remembered as great NBA players. Uh, I mean, Colin Gillespie following in the footsteps of Ryan Archidiacono and every other white guard that Villanova has had over the years. Like, I mean, just just warrants every cliche, every terrible cliche that every broadcaster's ever tossed out there. He's got the grit. He's got the determination. He's another coach on the floor. He's the, the first guy to the gym and the last guy to leave. Like, that's Colin Gillespie. And so much so that he'll be like one of 11 from the field. And if he makes a jumper, they're like, that's Gillespie, though. He's going to be hurt from the final. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like, do we do we really have to do this? But he's uh, he is, I'll throw another one out there. He's the heart and soul of this Villanova mm, basketball there you team. Go. <laughs> I think that's uh, the trifecta, the white player trifecta. Oh, there's more than three. They're, 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 you'll hear them Grit, all on full smart. display this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Jim Nance is salivating already, my friends. Yeah. Um, but Jermaine Samuels is probably their best player, and he's been really, really good. Um, when they've been tested in the NCAA tournament, he, he's a double-double guy. I, again, I'm not sure that he's going to be a great pro, but he's a terrific college player, and that's I mean, that, that's what you expect from Villanova at this point. They're just a rock-solid program. They don't beat themselves, and every other cliche you can toss out there. Um, I That's – yes, thank you for all of that. Uh, now you can just regurgitate that at your watch parties this weekend. There you um, go. We're going to take a quick break and then um, we're going to draft kind of like we just did with Sean um, the the top Kentucky things. Wow. I didn't tell Harry because I wanted to surprise him. <laughs> I knew <laughs> it excited him. <laughs> no matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring right now with the $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com spinsters. Offer valid through March 31st. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash Finsters to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash Finsters. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner has a product I use every morning first thing when I wake up or when my dog wakes me up. It's Athletic Greens, which is essentially a bunch of supplements and probiotics and words that sound made up. They're so healthy, like adaptogens, all mixed into one green scoop, which I can mix into water in the morning and carry around with me as I start the day. I started using Athletic Greens because I'm lazy. 
This is a wonderful endorsement so far. And I didn't want to take a bunch of vitamins in the morning. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com spin. Again, that's athleticgreens.com spin to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Before we draft the Kentucky players, actually, just since we have like a college basketball um connoisseur here harry can you pitch your gonzaga thing to mike and see what he says this is my favorite bit and i uh, don't really it. know uh, that it's a bit completely <laughs> uh, absolutely yes um in 2016 i made a bet with my friend isaac that gonzaga would men's basketball would not win a national championship in 25 years Ooh. um because i and I feel then what I feel now, which is that they do not have the juice. That is a school that is too small. It's a school that is too far in the Pacific Northwest. Um, it just is like they they don't ha- they don't have it. You know, they're in the WCC, which that's a fake conference to me. Um, and you know, it's funny. My my now every Gonzaga tournament, like my college group chat just blows up with people being like, when is Harry going to pay Isaac um, the, <laughs> the, the $2,000? But I got to say, if we're, we couldn't have scripted a better first six years for the no juice theory because they're always the number one seed and they always lose. Yeah, you almost got proven wrong like right out of the gate because <laughs> they 2017, you know, they lost shot away from, from beating Carolina. Like, uh, that's that's hilarious. I love the bet. Gonzaga is, I wrote this like, like in, I think it was in 2017 and it's only grown more true the last five years. I wrote that they were the most polarizing program in college basketball mm-hmm. and like everybody's like, oh, it's it's Duke. And I'm like, that's, that's more just like people just, just hate Duke and hate Coach K. With Gonzaga, it's about their actual merit because I think you've got this weird thing where like big J journos stay up to watch Gonzaga play Pepperdine at 1 a.m. And so just blasting Bruce Springsteen in the background. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> same exact thing. And then uh, they so, so even if they don't think that Gonzaga is the best team in the world, they hate it when like casual college basketball fans who only watch in March say it. So I think they become overly defensive. It, it's like. Not showing your work in geometry. Like, you got the right answer, but you got to show me how the fuck you got there. And so people get all upset about that. And then, like, I think the truth somewhere in between. Like, they probably don't deserve as many one seeds as they've gotten in recent years. But at the same time, it's not like they aren't beating really good teams in non-conference play. Like, like they beat the Zion Duke team a few years ago to win <laughs> Maui. Like, they, they've had like, – they've been good enough. They, I think they just ran into a bad matchup last year with Baylor – and then this year's team, I just don't think was as good as people wanted them to be. But like, I don't know if they're going to keep pulling in five stars. I don't know how much longer Mark. Fee- you may have weathered the the toughest part of the storm. Like you may this this may be you may you may be. I'm not going to say in the clear, but who knows? Two years from now, if Gonzaga's fallen off completely, you may be feeling pretty good about that. Bet. You got at least like a six year buffer. That's the thing about college rebuilds is like they take decade and a half take a, while. <laughs> they take a long time yeah i've always thought i don't need to last 25 years i just need to last longer than mark fury 
Because like, <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell is going on that he's getting people to go spend a couple of years in Spokane, Washington. But I just need to last, you know, he's going to like, I think he could, you know, he should go to Iowa State or something. Build a oh. build a uh, uh, a program in a, in the Midwest or something. Um, <laughs> and then I'll have the bet locked up. Uh, definitely. All right, let's draft some Kentucky things. Uh, Harry, I guess you're just gonna have to go from what you stereotypically think is from Kentucky. Sure. Um. All right. So, Mike, you can go first. I've got the first pick. Yeah, you're the guest. I mean, I want to do the classic Louisvillean thing and just take Louisville and pretend the rest of Kentucky doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do what everybody thinks I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to take, how about this? I'm taking weed right out of the gate. I'm, I'm taking weed. I think that the best weed in the world Sleeper. is grown in Kentucky. And this state does so little well. Two of the things that we do do well are watch sports. Like every sport, if you look at the ratings, like like Louisville is a top market for every sport that's out there. Like. I, I know like five people who watch Premier League soccer and somehow we're like the number five market in, in the country for Premier League soccer. We love sports. We have great weed. And it's why we're going to be one of the last states to legalize both legalize sports betting and weed <laughs> because we have to be last in everything. We, we won't stop until we've left billions of easy dollars on the table. Yeah. It's the dumbest state in the world. We don't capitalize on what we do. It's like if you're a fantastic singer and dancer and you're not really that great at anything else and you choose to go into like home repair or plumbing. Like, like that's what Kentucky does. That That's the logic that we use. And then we chalk it up to, you know, religious reasons. And we have legalized horse race gambling and also church picnics every other day, it seems like. God only cares about uh, gambling when it, it doesn't involve horses or one of his picnics or state-sponsored lotteries. So uh, that's... Kentucky's the weirdest state in the world. We can't get out of our own way, but we've got fantastic weed that we'll never be able to uh, to you know profit from legally. That's that's my top pick. I can confirm that um, from college that it, <laughs> <laughs> many a panic attack from just fantastic, you know, too strong weed. But um, I would also say that while we're on the subject of vices, the shrooms here are amazing. We just do nature very well. Um, so yeah, shout out to. Uh, the natural things that Kentuckians do. And also, the to your point about sports, like I have always said, if you put any team here, we just become obsessed. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And also, I've seen this with, I always see like people who only tweet about college basketball anytime a Louisville player is playing in the NBA, like filling up my timeline about it. So, yeah, yeah super dedicated. Harry, you want to go second? Sure. Though I, I I have a lot of questions about this Kentucky weed thing. Is this oh. a is this a thing? Like I, I have never you know I I'm from California, which is the the I would say the consensus weed state. But not to say that it's not Kentucky. I don't think I've ever had weed from Kentucky. But is this a thing that people know about, or are you Maybe guys in Kentucky? Everywhere else, no. And I th the big joke to me is like the. I don't want to give the whole explainer. Like Louisville's not exactly the Midwest, but they're not exactly not the Midwest. But I will say the rest of the Midwest pre-legalization was just ass. And so by comparison, like any trips I would take, um, yeah, always better in Kentucky. Harry, Google Cornbread Mafia or read the book. 
It's they're down from my wife, Central Kentucky, where she's from, Marion County, Lebanon, Barstown, that area. There's a whole like gigantic weed racket because they grew such great weed and maybe although all of these guys became millionaires and one of them was evading the FBI for you like jumped out of a helicopter, like everything that you could find in a movie, this guy did. He finally got arrested like two years ago. But it's a it's a big deal, and there's a great book uh, I think just called uh, the Cornbread Mafia. It's oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I'll definitely check it out. That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay, my draft pick. This is um, you know I have a somewhat limited experience of Kentucky, but have my you been? my I have been, and I'm my draft pick is inspired by that. Okay, I drove uh like I've done a few road trips, some of them involving Kentucky. One of them, we drove from Michigan to New Orleans, and you, uh, the way we did it is you go through um, Cincinnati, and then you cross over into northern Kentucky, mm. and the state border is a bridge. That's my number one pick. That's cool. <laughs> more, more, I love a state border that's a bridge. That's like, I want every single state border in america to have a bridge well maybe not every single one but if if it there's nothing like going from a different state on a bridge like you really feel a kind of all the baggage from the previous state off you 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 feel kind of rebirthed <laughs> like um i would say that's my number one pick yeah and kentucky has the second it borders the second most states bang of any other state so there's and a I lot of we have, we have bridges into like at least three of them because I mean, yeah. you know like indiana we have to go across the ohio into yep. ohio you got to go across the ohio I know going into Tennessee, you go across a bridge at one point. It's it's Harry's dream. This That's is so where he tight. Needs to be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Harry moves to Kentucky. <laughs> um, also, fun fact: the Cincinnati airport is in Kentucky. It is. That's accurate. yeah. So the the borders blend. That's a watercolor. Um, okay, I'm gonna make this a snake draft so I can pick twice. I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm trying to decide if I should be obvious. Um, all right. It's my first pick. It's there. I don't want to Anthony Bennett this. It's bourbon. You know, it just is like we just do it really well. So well that now all these like weird tech bros have completely taken over the industry and make things that we used to be able to buy. Um, I say we. I mean you know, my family, my, my older cousin always talks to me about this and, um, practically everyone else impossible to buy and impossible to find. So yep. that's been upsetting, but I will say nobody does it better. And that's why the tech bro thing happened. There's also this huge, like tech obsession that they've had with Kentucky lately, which is very fascinating and odd, like especially Eastern Kentucky. But, um, yeah, I'm going to save that because it does not belong in any kind of draft where I'm happy about the things. Um, and then for the fourth overall pick, I got to pick the cocaine bear. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. Classic story. Um, hairy from your face. <laughs> I'm just going to guess that I should explain. There's a 175-pound yeah, black bear who was found dead of a coke overdose because he consumed more than 75 pounds of cocaine yeah so he's a legend local legend where did he uh, get it do you know no 
squishy. Do people know how how we got it? It was in Appalachia. It was like a plane crash. I think it was a small like plane or like a a plane knew that they were they had to like dump it because they were going to get caught or something like that along those lines. But yeah, there are little like if you go to Central Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky, you'll stop in these little stores and they have like cocaine bear like like trinkets and like little (laughs) tiny toys and statues and stuff. It's it's a big deal and it's a real story. I'm a little bit, the, the details are escaping me a little bit at the moment, but I know I've read about Cocaine Bear over the years more than I probably should have, but how could you not? Uh, yeah, and he, uh, there's definitely a like drug lord involved. I just Googled it. Uh, yeah, a drug smuggling ring known as the company. It's Kingpin. Um, the plane malfunctioned when they were it throwing is. it across. The guy in charge, Andrew Carter Thornton, strapped pounds of cocaine to his body, pushed the rest out the plane, jumped with a parachute. Parachute did parachute didn't open, fell to his death. Um, apparently onto a driveway in Knoxville, but the plane crashed far enough away that it was in Kentucky. Um, so yeah, Coke Bear. Coke Bear. <laughs> Shout out to Central Kentucky, or no, I guess that was Appalachia. Yeah. Appalachia. Yeah. So that's my fourth overall pick. Harry, back to you. Okay. I'm nervous about this one because I don't, I feel like this might be something that, that isn't actually from Kentucky. So I'm curious, but, um, my next pick is Kentucky fried chicken. Okay. Yeah. It's from Kentucky. It is the Colonel born raised. Colonel. But what about you mean? Kentucky fried chicken as in like the fried style chicken. of chicken. I, oh, yeah, I do. Okay. I like KFC, but I'm more I'm kind of going. I want the, the style of fried chicken. Is it, can, can I claim that as a Kentucky thing? And that's sure. a way better pick than KFC, because yeah, I yeah. think generally people here don't like KFC because there's so much better fried chicken out there. OK, it's a good pick. Yeah, it's no pick. cocaine bear, but the second no, round's no, going. Yeah. But the yeah, second I gotta round's be honest. Well. Yeah, I was. I was. My next runner-up was Bowling Green. That, that's just a good name for a place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Mike, you've got two picks. I love that this is going to happen in the same round as Cocaine Bear, and this may be a controversial pick that offends uh, some people out there. I'm going with Abraham Lincoln. Um, <laughs> He's somebody that, like, at some point, every state has claimed Lincoln in some way. You know, if you drive anywhere in the Midwest, it's like, land of Lincoln. Like, Lincoln was married here. Lincoln went to college here. Lincoln was elected here. Lincoln was practiced law. And, like, every state claims Lincoln as their own. You'll drive into Vegas. If you go to, like, someplace in Vegas, it'll be like, girls, games, and Lincoln. Like, that's what we're known for. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, Abraham Lincoln was born in Kentucky his parents were actually married in Washington County, uh, Washington County, Kentucky, which is where my wife's from. Born here. She's from Washington he, County? He Well, he isn't. His parents were. They moved to Elizabethtown after that. Uh, he was born in, in Kentucky. Indiana, uh, people from Indiana say that he grew up there. He was back and forth. Like, we... we for all of the talk about this man, there have been 7,000 biographies about it. Nobody can pinpoint exactly where he spent time, which has led to like 17 states just claiming him as their own. I'm using this draft to end all the discussion. Land of Lincoln license plates, Illinois people, like, change that. It's done. Get, get it out of here. He's not. <laughs> it's not your land anymore. Abraham Lincoln, all Kentucky, all the time. He loves basketball, loves bourbon, <laughs> loves weed, loves cocaine bear. 
Lincoln's ours. He's a Kentuckian. <laughs> Done. All right. You got another one after that. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I know. That was that was, that was was impassioned. I'm going to go with – how about that? I'm going to go with the Louisville-Kentucky rivalry because – That's a great one. Yeah. If you're not – it's one of those rivalries, like, you have to explain it to people who aren't actually there. I think people nationally are aware that it's a rivalry, but they don't really know, like, the cultural aspects of it and why it's so contentious because, like, Duke-Carolina – don't get me wrong. I'm not going to let this devolve into a which rivalry's better type talk because Duke Carolina, the appeal of it is is obvious. They're always really good. They always play really competitive games, and they're on national TV when they do it. Awesome. I still feel like though with Duke and Carolina, you sort of if you're picking a side, you sort of feel like you felt in every presidential election before 2008. Where it's like at the end of the day, like it's it's one rich white dude over another rich white dude. Like like they're basically the same thing. They may have some minor differences, but at the end of the day, it's it's essentially the same guy. Right. With Louisville, Kentucky, I mean Louisville is the one blue area politically in an overwhelmingly red state, and then Louisville and Jefferson County is the one red area in an overwhelmingly blue state when it comes to the rivalry. So you've got this weird dynamic of Kentucky fans who grew up in Louisville versus Louisville fans who grew up in Louisville. And I think they kind of get it. Like, it's more about the actual games and you're ribbing one another about all that stuff. But then now with the the rise of, of social media, you have access to the Kentucky fans who are out in the state who wouldn't ordinarily interact with the Louisville fans uh, that, that live in Louisville. And so it becomes this weird culture clash where it's like it, it always ends up just escalating into a political discourse where it's like, well, I bet you like Biden at the end of the day. And I'm like, well, <laughs> we were arguing about who had the better power forward. How, how did we even end up here? But it's just such a ridiculous rivalry for all these. Re- like people from politicians from Louisville say they can't get things done in Frankfurt, which is the state capital, because of the rivalry. Like they've said this to me. Like that's why pe- like, people are like, we can't vote for it right now. Patino and Cal, they hate each other too much. Like that's Harry. No, Harry, really. Our it's governor true. had to sign in like a law basically to get Kentucky to finally play Louisville every year. Wait, Mike, tell the story about the orthopedic thing. Oh, the dialysis center? Dialysis center. Yeah. Tell tell Harry that story. So yesterday was actually the 10 year anniversary of this story when Louisville and Kentucky were getting ready to play one another in the final four in 2012. The best story of the week happened where two elderly men got into a fist fight at the dialysis center, <laughs> at a dialysis center uh, over the game. And the actual quotes from the story are just tremendous. Like, here's the, I'm reading this right now. He just happened to think UofL would beat UK and he started to run his mouth, Wilson said. That's what started it. <laughs> Taylor said he actually t- was talking about a matchup with somebody else. He was meddling, Taylor said, and he told me to shut up, and then he gave me the finger. I went up to him, and I hit him. I didn't hit him hard, but I hit him. I mean, it's just, it's all time. You don't have that Duke Carolina. You don't have dudes fighting at dialysis centers in their 70s. It's the the definitive Louisville-Kentucky rivalry moment because that's as crazy as this rivalry is. Every single day, I fight this battle. Every day. Yeah, my dad, true story, my dad was always like, look, you can marry, date whoever you want to. Just please, for the love of God, don't make it a Kentucky fan. Like, that was the one thing he said. People talk about this on a daily basis around it. And it it sounds insane. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if they were like the passionate, diehard, annoying UK fan. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could. 
No, yeah, definitely not. Uh, all right, Harry, follow that one. <laughs> oh, we're going another round. Oh, definitely. I have. I have to put in two more picks. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. I, you guys aren't gonna like this one. Good. Um. Purely, I'm just purely as like the amount of joy that this brought me. The Rick Pitino, um, like Fizzle restaurant, out. sure story. I, right. I I remember reading Time. the uh, the like court excerpts from that and like can't remember <laughs> laughing harder. Like it was, it was so funny to me. Pain. So yeah, I, pain. I I I listen. I know maybe not the right crowd, but that that's my uh, number four pick. I, I, mean, I get it. I get yeah. It. Yeah, the, I don't the the things. I mean, we were talking before this about an affair that a coach had with like a Louisville prominent Louisville figure. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a, there's Look, some we, funny, very messy stories from. We love banging here. down here. I mean, you get any sort of power <laughs> within the U of L athletic program, and it just I don't know if the water changes and or whatever, but. It's it's the horniest uh, athletic department in the entire world. It's, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm proud of that. Yeah, um, sure. Okay, so I think I'm trying to decide, Harry. I think if you ever went to either Red River Gorge or the Caves, you'd pick the Caves or either one of those. They're just very cool. And like one time, uh, there's some story about when everyone was building bomb shelters, they like figured a cave would really do the trick and so they built out a cave full of supplies and like you'd have to enter a raffle if you did need to go in the bomb shelter and I think it was something like was it 50,000 people was it gonna fit that many and then what they realized after the fact was like there's no way the oxygen would be enough for them to like seal off a cave and have that community there so maybe like brainstorming should be my answer um <laughs> i think so it's either a late one okay benedictine okay barbecue but i i mean for me we're not the top barbecue and i'm okay with that i, I do yeah. like love it over every other area um that's not the south or texas but you know i'm okay with that i would say barbecue um cholesterol yeah we got the snake preachers it's up there i think what i'm gonna go with is actually burning stuff you know we're we're burning legends we we burn couches um we burn trash <laughs> good for the environment um community building you've got a bonfire so yeah i'm gonna go with with burning stuff um and then for the other side of it i'm gonna go with the sports legends so like obviously muhammad ali alan houston shout out to ballard high school west unselled i guess george clooney isn't a sport are you drafting like 25 things here what, no i'm happening? just drafting sports i'm drafting sports figures as a whole you just reeled off everything about kentucky in one <laughs> 90 second span there's nothing left for anybody else that's not true all right here you're up um, I'm going Appalachian Trail, the part of the Appalachian Trail that's in, that's in, um, Kentucky. I love a big ass walk. I think that's good. That's to me what the, the AT is. And I would love to hike it one day. So I'll say that. 
cool. Yeah. Might as well group the coal mines in there. Sure. Well, why? <laughs> they're just all there. Oh, like they're nearby? Yeah. Okay, I tweeted it. yesterday when I was super high um, that St. <laughs> uh, Peter's ran through uh, Kentuckiana harder than the end coal campaign. And I stand by that because they literally, Murray State mass exodus like completely just said okay every single person on our team is transferring um i enjoyed it but anyway uh yeah i don't know why i got off on that oh coal there's a lot of coal over there all right mike last pick i was gonna go with muhammad ali but that was one of the you know Haley 73 picks (laughs) for her rounds three through 73 um so i'm gonna have to to rethink this i'm gonna go with accents I think that Kentucky, we have so many different accents, and only if you've lived in the state and traveled around the state can you kind of figure out where somebody's from. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I went, I spent a summer working for a newspaper in Iowa, and they were like, "Why don't you talk?" I, this girl was like, "I dated a guy from Murray, Kentucky. Why don't you talk like him?" And I was like, "Where do I start? How do how do I deal with this?" But I, I mean, my wife is from about an hour, fifteen minutes south of Louisville. Um, from Springfield, Kentucky, famously where Abraham Lincoln's parents were married because he is a Kentuckian. But she has like a little bit of a twang. It's not like that bad, but I just loved making fun of it and hearing it when we first started dating. It was one of my favorite things she ever said was this was our kind of early 20s. So we were going out there and doing stupid stuff every weekend. And I was very hungover on a Sunday. And, you know, you'd think sweet little Kentucky boy, she'd be like, let me go get you a cup of water. And she instead she was like, oh, you don't feel good? Well, it's probably because you drank your fucking ass off all fucking weekend. And I use that quote all the time. I'm still using it now. That was like 15 years ago. It was incredible. But just hearing her say seemingly normal, aggressive things with that accent, it's why we're married right now. It's why we have a happy marriage. It's why we're going to go the distance. It's that accent. That's my last pick. That's great. That's a great pick. The accent range is something that I don't think people fully understand. Yeah. Some, Some states have flat accent, no range. Um, yeah. Where are your parents from? Louisville. They're... Oh, okay. I wasn't sure because sometimes like if you have, um, if you have family outside, I've been telling this to Harry, like you kind of dip in and out a little bit. And then yeah. also if you get a group of people together, it doesn't matter. You always kind of dip in a little bit stronger. So it's just an interesting, it's, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, that's a great pick. I, I have this like running bit with Harry and Jordan where kind of like the dad in Big Fat Greek Wedding relays everything back to Greece. I relay everything back to Kentucky. And so today for that, I looked up things that I was pretty sure were in from Kentucky, but like wasn't 100% sure. Mother's Day. Harry, do you love your mom? Yes, that's from Kentucky. Happy birthday song. I knew that. That's the big one. Traffic lights. Can you imagine how many accidents would happen without traffic lights? Post-it notes. How would you remember anything? Jif peanut butter. Yeah. The best of the peanut butters. Duncan Hines. Like the cake mix. That guy was a real guy. He was from Bowling Green. You're leaving off a big one, though. Disco balls. Who? Disco balls. 90% of the world's disco balls are made in Kentucky. Look that up. It's fact. Oh, we should have drafted partying. Yeah. We're just like drunk for just week straight. 
Um, the last one I'll say is that Louisville's, the old, um, old Louisville, which is like a section in Louisville between downtown and the campus that's just filled with the most gorgeous houses, um, inspired Daisy Buchanan's house for in the Great Gatsby, her parents' house. So it's it's, uh, it's where novels, F, fiction. It's that Cherokee Triangle. It's where F. Scott Fitzgerald met the woman that he. Yeah, that Daisy Buchanan was based off of, and, and then that's yeah. the house that they are supposed to supposedly make. Yeah, it's it's right there. You can see it. You can go right up to it. It's a gorgeous house. Literature, tra- you know, traffic, solutions, moms, you've got it all. It was all invented in Kentucky. <laughs> um, wow, with literally one minute to spare, I have got you out of here on time. Mike, thank yeah. you so much. Literally, you filled a bunch of um, college basketball information void that I did not have, and I'm really excited for the games this weekend. That's why I'm here. That's what I do during March. Love it. Hey, this is Taylor from Chicago. Uh, Before the season started, I boldly said the Pelicans were going to make the playoffs. Uh, It's been one hell of a ride. Didn't think we would get here, but I'm really loving this team, and I just want to see what's happening. It feels good to love a team like this. All right, bye.